Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast may cause dizziness, confusion, bloating, uncontrollable laughter, and in some cases, anal leakage. Listener discretion is strongly advised. This is episode number 33 of Excuse Me, That's Illegal, the podcast that takes a hardcore look at some softcore crimes. I'm your hot and sweaty host, Leroy Luna, coming at you straight out of the sauna with a tale about a real prick, and I mean that in every sense of the word. We'll get into this strange story shortly. As usual, it's weird and wacky, and I can't wait to tell you all about it. Oh, and... Don't worry, your boy isn't actually recording in a sauna, silly. I'm still in the closet. It's just super hot in here right now. (laughs) Sitting here in the corner, all hunched over the microphone in my sweat-soaked underwear, making the magic happen. Gotta tell you, it's not a pretty sight. Could get a fan in here, I suppose, have it blow hot air on me throughout the recording. But then the quality of the audio would suffer. I'm a true professional, as you know, so instead I will suffer in sweaty silence. Because my fans don't want to hear fans. Ew, that felt weird. When my bro Jack Luna first started podcasting, Dark Topic, 911 Calls, you can find those shows wherever you consume your favorite on-demand audio. Um, I remember him saying how much he despised calling listeners of his show fans and how he would never do it. I never gave the term much thought until he pointed it out. And now I cringe every time I hear someone say, My fans. It's okay to refer to yourself as a fan of a show, a person, even a place. But when you start referring to a group of people as your fans, it does come off as kind of pretentious, doesn't it? As if you're putting yourself up on a pedestal, like you own them or something. They're my fans. (laughs) Something to think about. Real fascinating stuff. Anywho, let's hear a joke before we get into it, shall we? Oh, funnily enough, this joke was sent in by one of my fans, Becca. 
She also said she works in a nursing home and passes along some of these jokes to the old fogies over there. I love old people. Shout out to all the seniors out there listening to this podcast at full volume, wondering what the heck I'm talking about half the time. I appreciate you. And shout out to Becca. I'm sure working at the nursing home has been extra difficult this past year and a half or so. I applaud you for your service, ma'am. Okay, joke time. Why did the walrus go to the Tupperware party? He was looking for a tight seal. You know what that sound means. Everyone hop in the minivan and let's cruise these suburban streets as I serenade you with another tale of low-level true crime. There sure are a lot of cars on the road today. But don't worry, my friends. I'm just going to dart in and out of traffic here, and I promise to still get you back home at a reasonable hour. Episode number 33, Dart Man. I've never been a big dart guy myself. If I'm ever at a pub, I'd much rather sit with my buds, chow down on some chicken wings and toss back some brewskis, than toss some darts at a board. With that being said, we do have two dart boards at the house. One in the basement and another one in the garage. Occasionally I'll throw a few just for the hell of it, but find myself losing interest real quick. Maybe it's not challenging enough. Maybe I'm doing it all wrong. What if the target wasn't a stationary board? What if it moved? Yeah. Okay, now we're talking. What if the target was a person? (laughs) Okay, now this is getting out of hand. And I'm pretty sure that would be illegal. It sure would liven up the game, though, wouldn't it? Okay. Today we are headed to New York City. We've traveled here before. New York City is the most heavily populated city in the United States and is made up of the five boroughs, which include Brooklyn, Queens, Staten Island, the Bronx, and Manhattan, which is where our story will be taking place. Manhattan. Time for a name change, am I right? Why not Womanhattan or Personhattan? Might be a little more appropriate. I'll be sure to email the mayor when we're through with this episode. Quick side story. When I was about 9 or 10 and sitting at the kitchen table eating my lunch, I asked my mom a question. Kids love questions. Always so curious. So I says, hey mom, why isn't there a boy cheese? Kind of unfair, isn't it? She's all like, what do you mean? And I say, well, if there's a girl cheese, then why isn't there a boy cheese? She goes there's a girl cheese? I go, duh, I'm eating it right now. She says, you do realize it's called grilled cheese, right? No, I didn't. Oh dear, that's embarrassing, I thought. In my defense, she didn't grill it, just spread some nasty margarine on a couple pieces of bread, slapped some processed cheese in the middle, and threw it on the frying pan. I still don't get why it's called grilled cheese and will forever refer to it as girl cheese. Don't bother messaging me about the history of grilled cheese. 
There's probably a perfectly reasonable explanation for the name. And I don't care to hear about it. Okay, on to the story. It's way back in the summer of 1990, and there's a fellow who the press have nicknamed Dartman, and he's targeting young women on the busy streets of Manhattan. This was a fairly large local story at the time, but if you were from other parts of the world, it most likely didn't make it on your radar, and for good reason. There was a lot going on in the world that summer. Big news. June 27th, Days of Thunder hit the theaters. Tom Cruise played a young, hotshot stock car driver who gets his chance to compete at the top level. A cinematic masterpiece. July 4th, 400 New Kids on the Block fans were treated for heat exhaustion at a concert in Minnesota. I mean, I always knew those guys were hot, but damn, that takes it to a whole nother level. And also, West Germany defeated Argentina 1-0 in the FIFA World Cup Final. Wow, a high-scoring affair indeed if there ever was one. So yeah, needless to say, the rest of the world was distracted. But local Manhattanites, specifically women, were well aware of Dartman and stress levels were high. They had to keep their heads on a swivel, for sure. Dartman. Sounds like a badass villain, doesn't he? A softcore supervillain, if you will. His first attack took place on June 26th, and in a two-week span, he victimized between 50 and 55 more women on those crowded Manhattan streets. And you know what made this even crazier? He attacked these broads in broad daylight. See what I did there? Let's get into the nature of these attacks, because I've been kind of vague so far. Dartman is a great moniker. It sells newspapers, and that's what the media wants. But this man wasn't throwing darts at women like one would think. Here's what he'd do. He'd get about 10 feet from his intended target, then pull out what was described as a straw-like device, kind of a small pipe, and he'd shoot these two to three inch sewing needles or pins at the woman's rear ends. He'd shoot it like a teenager would shoot a spitball at the teacher's back when they were writing on the chalkboard. It wasn't an actual dart, it just kind of looked like one. He'd tape some paper to the end of the pin, this helped with the flight and accuracy of the makeshift wannabe dart. So a more suitable name for this fool would have been Blow Dart Dude butt blower guy, or the sewing needle shooter. Something like that. But let's face it, Dartman's cooler, so we'll stick with that. Dartman had a specific type. Pretty, young women in their 20s or 30s, light-skinned, white, and Hispanic mainly. Well-dressed business-type ladies, usually wearing short skirts, and majority of the attacks took place in the afternoon, lunchtime-ish, in and around Penn Station and Times Square. Women caught on to this trend, and started changing their attire, wearing baggy shorts, leggings, capris, pantsuits, in an attempt to avoid being targeted, or at the very least mitigate the damage if they were to fall victim. You could say Dartman was pretty influential that summer in the fashion world. He was a bit of a fashionista, and helped set new fashion trends through intimidation. Move over, Donatello Versace. Is that the name? I literally know nothing about fashion. Move over, Tommy Hilfiger. Step aside, Levi Strauss. There's a new sheriff in town. Let's get some quotes from various women who had to live through this strange time. Liz Echaus. Nailed it. A 22-year-old on her way to a job interview said, quote, There's enough to worry about walking through the city without this. Another 22-year-old, receptionist Florence Kaplan, who works in a designer showroom in the area where there had been several attacks, said, quote, Normally? I don't wear shorts to work, but I know he attacks women in skirts. 
I walk like this now. Florence chuckled as she started walking sideways and looking around suspiciously. I like her. 26-year-old department consultant Laura McCaffrey, quote, I thought maybe I shouldn't come down this way. I know I'm his type, but I live in this city. You can't be afraid or you'd never go out, end quote. So true, girl. Even the tourists were a little on edge. 41-year-old Brita Horrigan, visiting from Dublin, said, quote, I'm going to go along holding me bum. We don't have dart pickers in Ireland. We came to New York for the experience. End quote. Sorry, anyone from Ireland. Uh, she laughed as she said this with a couple of her gal pals on their way to Macy's for a wee bit of shopping. Like I said, some women were nervous, but it's nice to see they weren't losing their sense of humor about this ridiculous situation. Thankfully, no women were seriously harmed or injured in the attacks. Police were able to test 18 of the sewing needles and all came back negative for toxins. The needles were not tainted. Well, they weren't poisoned anyways. A couple of them may have become tainted after hitting a rear end or two, if you know what I'm saying. Oh, you don't? Let's check in with Bionity.com to describe the slang term taint. Taint is a term used to refer to the perineum, the region of the human body between the testicles or vagina and the anus. Sometimes people call it a gooch or a grundle. So if a dart hit a woman's taint, they'd become tainted. That's the joke. Not as funny when I describe it, though, is it? But I know some kids and older folks listen to the show, so I feel it's my duty to keep them informed. Quite a few of these attacks were witnessed by pedestrians. You know, I bet there were a lot more than the estimated 55 victims. Some people probably didn't report it, and even more may not have even noticed. There was this one lady, for example, wearing a blue blazer with a matching skirt, and she got hit. She didn't even feel it. It wasn't until a good Samaritan who saw it happen informed her and they pulled the little dart out of the back of her skirt. It wasn't powerful enough to make it through the fabric to pierce her skin. Dart man probably missed his mark altogether on several occasions. But with all these witnesses, police started to come up with a description of the dart man. A black male with a mustache and beard combo. He was shorter in stature between 5'6 and 5'8 and somewhere in his 30s. It was only a matter of time before Dartman's days would be numbered. There was a Dartman hotline where you could call if you had any tips. 212-598-0071. That number is no longer needed as, spoiler alert, we will have a conclusion to this madness. Well, sort of. But feel free to give it a call and let me know what happens. Once again, that number is 212-598-0071. Long distance charges may apply. Another woman was actually hitting the right arm with a dart in Queens. Definitely out of dart dude's neighborhood, so I'm sure police were worried he was changing hoods altogether. But this was an isolated incident, and the dart was longer than the usual ones. Probably the work of a copycat. Hey, why not, right? They say imitation is the greatest form of flattery, or something like that. Imagine reading about this in the paper and thinking, Hey, that's a great idea. I think I'll give it a go. Some people. There was also a vigilante-type group of about 50 people who called themselves the Guardian Angels, and they stood guard on the streets looking for suspicious behavior, mainly between 23rd and 57th Street. A popular spot for attacks, they were hoping to catch Dart Man in the act. They handed out papers with tips on how to avoid becoming a target and posted a sign that said, Dart Man, turn yourself in before we make a dart board out of you. <laughs> Clever. 
This came along with another phone number. Write this down. 212-397-7822. That was for witnesses to call in with tips. Or the dart man to call if he felt like turning himself in. We should all uh, ring up that number and confuse the hell out of whoever picks up. Say we got our grundles pierced by dart dude. A police spokesman claimed they had some extra plainclothes officers roaming the streets searching for our guy. One of the undercover officers on 34th Street was asked a question by the New York Times, I believe, and he didn't seem too concerned. He casually said, quote, There are more pickpockets than there are dart men out here. He hits all over the city. There's no way to be ready for it. End quote. Poor attitude, but I get it, I get it. Police Commissioner Lee Brown asked for help from the citizens of Manhattan. Quote, Somebody must have seen him do it. At this time, it's a nuisance. It doesn't make sense. We want to put a stop to it. End quote. And put a stop to it, they did. On Tuesday, July 10th, 1990, a couple weeks after Dartman began his reign of terror, a couple of observant plainclothes officers spotted a man on a street corner who fit the description of Dartman. They jotted down his name and address, passed that info along to detectives who were able to convince the man to come into the precinct the next day for questioning. The suspect's name was Jerome Wright, a short 33-year-old black man with a beard who lived in the Bronx with his aunt. He worked close to where most of the attacks occurred, at the Time Life building. He was employed as a messenger and mailroom clerk there. Jerome was no Boy Scout either. In fact, he was actually on probation until 1993, from previous convictions for selling cocaine back in 1988 and petty larceny in 89. They were able to get Jerome in a police lineup where he was identified by three women. Nailed him. Jerome was questioned by police well into the night, and Chief Joseph DiMartino said he ended up admitting he was guilty of the three attacks where the women identified him. This, according to the LA Times. Police thought he was guilty of all the attacks, but they could only pin him for the ones where he was identified by witnesses. They charged him with three counts each of reckless endangerment, harassment, and criminal possession of a weapon. Pretty serious charges. Felonies. Jerome was in deep trouble and could be facing up to seven years in prison if the charges stuck. Jerome Wright would later deny confessing to any of the crimes. His lawyer, Robert Wolfe, would bring up some great points at the arraignment. Quote, He is not the dart man. There are at least five witnesses who said he is not the dart man. There is no physical evidence at all. End quote. And he was right about the lack of physical evidence. They searched the apartment he was staying at and couldn't find any darts or items in relation to the crimes or match his fingerprints to any of the darts used in the attacks. And also, while Jerome was picked out of a lineup by three witnesses, five or six other ones couldn't identify him. The prosecutor, Thomas Shields, pointed out that Jerome said a few interesting things to police during his questioning. Stuff like, quote, It is immoral for women to wear short skirts, and unnatural for a man to look at a woman's legs and get aroused. End quote. Weird, and not true. Apparently during his ramblings, he also said, quote, People from the island shoot women who wear provocative clothing with darts to punish them, and they also throw them, sometimes into volcanoes. End quote. Hey, can I get a fact check on that? It's not true, is it? The prosecutor really painted Jerome as a man with issues and trouble communicating with the opposite sex, which he was. A lot of he said, she said stuff going on. Jerome is a shady character at best, but he was interrogated by police for quite some time, and we've seen in the past, due to intense pressure, some people confess to crimes they didn't commit. 
On the flip side of that, police were under public pressure to close this case. Sometimes they just want to get a case solved so they can move on. And Jerome was a strange dude with a criminal record. The perfect scapegoat. Let us now fast forward to August 8th, 1990. Jerome Wright was let out on $1,000 bail and had all his felony charges reduced to misdemeanors due to lack of evidence. His lawyer, Robert Wolfe, was ecstatic. He said there were timesheets maintained by Jerome's work that show he was in the building while some of these crimes occurred. Quote, Based on the timesheets, it would have been impossible for Mr. Wright to have been at some of the places the attacks took place. At the times those attacks actually took place. End quote. So what are your thoughts? I'm kind of torn on whether or not he even did this. Eh, he probably did. But you know what? He 100% didn't do them all. Timesheets prove that, and those can't be wrong. Does that mean there were other dart men out there doing the same thing? I like to think so. After Jerome was arrested, the dart man attack stopped. Ah, that doesn't really bode well in his favor though, does it? Who knows? Maybe Jerome Wright didn't do it, and whoever did decided to call it quits while they were ahead, and let the public believe they had their guy. This leaves me feeling very confused. Were the witnesses wrong in choosing Mr. Wright? Or was Mr. Wright wronged? Or maybe they got it right. And Mr. Wright did something wrong. And we are back. That's a wrap on episode number 33. Dart Man. I hope you enjoyed that wacky tale as much as I did. As always, I want to thank Steffi for voicing the disclaimer. The operator for providing that sweet, sweet theme music. And my boo for editing this episode. It's that time again. Listener confession time, baby. So, let's get criminal, criminal, I want to get criminal. Hey there, Leroy, I'm uh, coming at you from Maine, USA, and I gotta say, your podcast is consistently one of my top five. I'm always glad to see when when your new ones comes up. Petty crime is a lot more amusing than the hard stuff, and I really appreciate what it is you're doing. I mean, if I were comparing true crime to street drugs, your podcast would probably be Acid, which has hands down always been my favorite. So, I only have the smallest of petty crime stories because I'm really not much of a creative misbehavior. So, the first one happened in 1998, and uh, nobody actually got caught, and I wasn't even there. It was about my ex-husband. He and two of his pals broke into a vacation cabin in the deserts of far west Texas. They ransacked the place, uh, determined that there wasn't anything in it worth stealing, so they drank up all the alcohol they could find on the premises, and uh, one of the buddies took it upon himself to dress up in the absentee owner's top drawer lacy lingerie, and then spent about half an hour in the bathroom jerking off while taking a shit. Classy, right? I guess it's probably for the best he didn't get caught, literally with his pants down. The other one is one I could have actually gone to jail for. I worked as a funeral assistant from 2000 to 2004 at a funeral home, also in Texas, and the uh, funeral director was a serious drunk with a death wish. In a hurry to become his own client, I guess? 
Uh, although I guess it would be pretty hard to embalm yourself. Hmm. Anyway, several times a week he would call in drunk and he wouldn't show up for work. But, you know, people got to be buried, bills got to be paid, and death certificates got to be signed and filed. I've always been a bit of an adept at forgery, a skill I picked up in seventh grade when I was signing my parents' names onto my band practice cards. So, who do you guess ended up signing a lot of the death certificates and checks that went through that place? <laughs> you guessed it. Yours truly. And before you ask, no, I never got creeped out while working there. It's not the dead you gotta worry about. Oh yeah, and I can't help but wonder about the floor plan of your house. You're driving your minivan out of the closet every two weeks? Gotta be a pretty weird house. Anyway, keep them rolling, my friend. Keep them rolling. Catch you next time. Wow. All right. That was Lou Rose from Maine. Lou Rose. Love that name, by the way. All right, there's a lot to unpack there. Uh, that was pretty wild. The Acid of True Crime Podcast. I'll have to take your word for it, but thank you for the compliment. And you know, I don't blame you for the forgeries. I feel like I would have done the same thing if I was in your shoes. Um, what else there? Oh, your ex-husband's friend. <laughs> you got his number by any chance still? I'd love to talk to that guy. Hook me up. I'm sure he's got at least one or two more wild stories in him, if he's willing to do that. Crazy stuff. Excuse me, that's illegal at gmail.com. If you have some wild stories like Lou Rose, let me know. Don't be shy. Come share it with us. This is a no-judgment zone, safe space. We want to hear it all. And speaking of strange stories, I have a podcast recommendation to hit you with on the way out. I stumbled upon this one recently, and I'm so glad I did. It's called Florida Men on Florida Man. Greg, Wayne, Josh, and Cameron are four Floridians who talk about all the crazy headlines from Florida. Florida. It's the best. They break down all the freaky Florida stories in the news, and they even have some of their own. These guys are hilarious, and I'll more than likely get a few interesting story ideas off them to feature on the show sometime. Anyways, I'll let them tell you all about their podcast in a moment. As for myself, I'll meet you back here in 10 days, and I'll serve you up another hearty helping of softcore scum. Peace. All right, take it away, Cameron. Hey, this is Cameron from Florida Men on Florida Man. We're the podcast all about Florida. We do crazy Florida Man headlines, talk about our experiences growing up and living in Florida now. And then Wayne, one of our co-hosts, gives us a story every week about the legends, the lore, and the history that came out of Florida. We'd love for you to come by, give us a listen, check us out at fmofm.com.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.